the Boston players love But Michael Jordan is not only the best basketball player, but he's the most exciting basketball player to ever play. Tatum fires away, pumps it in. The Big Three NBA Podcast is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome to another edition of the Big Three NBA Podcast. I'm your host, H. Rob Blake. joined by special guest for a repeat performance backed by popular demand. My man, Law Murray of The Athletic, covers the Los Angeles Clippers. Law, what's going on with you? I am. I'm. Uh, shout out to the popular demand. I'll tell you that much. Um, it's, it's 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 good to see you. It's um. It, I'm, I'm. I wish I was on the East Coast now. I know the Clippers are in Boston, and so I'm sad to miss that game. But uh, looking forward to covering the rest of the road trip for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, with that, you know, we're gonna uh, just hope things work out and that you trust the process. Shout out to. Law's hometown Philly, the trust the process reference. Uh, he's not a Sixers fan, folks, so don't start tripping. Don't start tripping. Uh, but he, what he is is a close observer of this Clippers team, which is they come into Boston having won three in a row, eight of the last ten, uh, playing really, really, really good basketball. They're only a couple games, maybe two and a half out of first in the West, which to me is kind of crazy because just like a month or so ago, we weren't even sure if this team would even be like playoff caliber squad. And now they are rolling. What's been the key to this team kind of getting it going and sustaining the success? Well, it's, it's pretty much what we talked about last time. Guys are healthy and guys know their roles. And when you have those two things with the talent that is on this team, everyone is just playing extremely well with the urgency that comes with the stages of their respective careers, where they've been the last few years, as far as injuries or in James Harden's case, just being in dysfunctional situations or situations that feel dysfunctional after a while. And you're, they're maximizing it. It's, it's really simple basketball. There you can make shots better than the teams that they're facing. (laughs) And they have maintained that over two months and as you know, Sherrod, between the time the playoffs start and the time the playoffs end, that's about two months. So if you can do it at this time of the year, then they're going to be in a situation where you have to consider them contenders. And, 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 and that's pretty much it. They, they went through their difficult period right away in November. They were the, the second to last team to win a game in the entire league in the month of November from the time November started. And that's significant because November one is when the Harden trade was completed. But ever since November 17th, they have literally been the best team in the NBA as far as record rise. Yeah. They, I mean, they have definitely been involved. People don't, I, I think people forget how tough a start it was for the Clippers this year, particularly when you look at road success. I mean, if, if you, don't know the kind of the backstory to the Clippers. You look at their road record, I think it's nine and 10 and think like, oh, they're a bad road team. But then you start breaking it down, you realize those 10 losses, they lost like five or six of them right out the right out the gate. Uh, so what's been the key to them being able to go into other people's buildings and, and just handle their business the way they've been able to do like the last last month, month and a half? They're vets. This is, this is a, it's a veteran team. They, they, have seen the success as a collective. And at that point, it's just about locking in. Uh, I was with them in Phoenix. They 
there's a lot of chatter going on about what happened in the playoffs and the Devin Booker, Paul George back and forth, which it's not really a back and forth as far as Paul is concerned, but he's in. We, it takes we don't two. make that back and forth because that's what we do. Exactly. And Paul knows that, which is why Paul's mute about it right now. But <laughs> what really shuts people up is when you perform and they did that. They were, I mean, Paul had damn near 20 points in that first quarter in Phoenix uh, to start this month. They go to New Orleans, a place that they hadn't won in four years. And they didn't just win, but they won convincingly against a New Orleans Pelicans team that is playing well now. And I remember the game that the Pelicans played after the Clippers blew them out in their building and they went and embarrassed the Kings. They, they went and took that out on another team in their building. And like, the, the Clippers are, are starting to play better teams and starting to win some of those games. They lost to the Thunder in December. They saw them again and they, and they, and they handled their business. Uh, Kawhi got healthy and Kawhi is playing like one of the best players in the league. He's an MVP candidate. We're not going to talk about him like an MVP candidate, I guess, because everyone's going to be like, well, when's the breakdown coming or Kawhi, he just got a triple double and it was his first triple double in, in four years. And people hold that stuff against him. Like he doesn't have MVP numbers compared to the guys who are going to be considered heavily to win the award, but his impact is that of an MVP. And that, I mean, that's where it starts. It starts with him. And then you got incredible talent coaching that is putting guys in position to succeed. And they know that they need to stay together. They have the perspective because of where they've been and where they're trying to go. Talk a little bit more about Kawhi. Cause, cause he has been that one guy that, we find ourselves at the end of the season playing, if only if, dot, dot, dot. And he's one of the names that, at the top of that list. If only Kawhi could stay healthy. If only Kawhi wasn't, you know, the, the marshal of load management university. If only he wasn't the it, – it, it, I don't think people really, because he's on the West Coast, they don't realize that dude has been flirting with a 50-40-90 season all year. Uh, right. He's been that impactful across the board. How much – do you think uh, the NBA putting games played into the matrix for getting postseason worth? How much do you think that has impacted the decisions that the Clippers have made as far as load managing Kawhi? Because he's Absolutely. playing more games now uh, than we've seen in a while. Let me go all the way back when he was a spur. I can tell you, Sherrod, that the player participation policy of 2023 had absolutely no impact on how the Clippers were going to approach this season and how Kawhi Leonard was going to approach that season. When we were together on media day, right before flying to Hawaii, Kawhi was asked about that very thing. And Kawhi came out as strongly as I remember him pushing back on anything in his career, especially since he's been in L.A., about how the NBA, if and and people who cover the NBA, people who create the narratives, if they were doing that to mock him, and that's those are his words, not mine, not my paraphrase or interpretation. If they are mocking him for him being injured, they need to stop. That that that's what he said on October second, and then we fly to Hawaii, and he's been about that action. He's been healthy. That's really it. Like he was. Coming off a torn ACL last year, that's why he didn't play back-to-backs. That's why it was a weird season for him. It wasn't his only injury. He dealt with an ankle sprain that cost him a couple weeks. And then in the playoffs, after a great game one, he had a torn meniscus and he couldn't finish the series. 
it's all about Kawhi. Just is, is he healthy? He hasn't been healthy in several years, but he's healthy right now. And that's all you can really worry about. Everyone knows, oh, you might get hurt or this has been what's happened the last few years. And that's frustrating, Sherrod. Uh, it's frustrating if you're that player. If you're, It's frustrating if you're that player's teammates. It's frustrating if you're Teron Lue who has to figure out who to put on the floor on a nightly basis. That was frustrating last year. But that frustration from last year has created an environment this year where they are going to compete. They are going to play back-to-backs. They are going to not take games for granted. They are trying to get the number one seed. Why? Because you can't win a championship in January. You can't win it in November. You can't win it in December. But you can build those habits so that when the time comes for you to try and win it, you're prepared and you're in that position. And no one knows that better than Kawhi Leonard of two-time finals MVP. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet like live same game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK in New York. Yeah, and the, the thing that... You know, with Kawhi that I've, I've noticed, not only the games increase, but also just you start looking at the numbers and you realize he's playing more minutes now than he's ever played before. He's shooting the ball better on all, pretty much every metric that you can have. Uh, and the scoring, you know, he's, he's averaging about 24 points a game, which when you're playing with a dynamic score like Paul George and, and, and James Harden and Russell Westbrook, if you're missing one bucket per game scoring-wise, you're still doing pretty pretty good. And, again, he's much more efficient uh, this year. The other guy I wanted to hit you up with, Murray, about is, is Paul George. Uh, Paul, you, you're around him more than I am, obviously, but he seems like such a 
I don't understand why he's such a polarizing figure. It's like you look at his numbers, you look at the work he puts in, and they're great numbers, and you get the sense that people are like, what else are you going to do, Paul? Why can't you do this? Or why aren't you doing more of that? And you start, again, like your teammate, you know, Kawhi Leonard, he too was kind of flirting with the 50-40-90 game. He shoot about 47 from the field, about 40-plus from the from, uh, from three-point range, and better than 90 from the free throw. What is it about Paul George that people who aren't around him should understand about why he's a good player? Because I, I, I do think that there's there's people don't quite get why he is who he is. What what do people need to know about Paul George? They don't. I mean, that dude is is all the all the next generation's favorite player. Man, they they love Paul George in a way that I guess you know. I really feel like the disrespect is Lakers oriented. I think people wanted him to do things and Paul just had a different path for himself. And Paul's a little bit more open about his thought process than, well, especially comparing it to Kawhi, but that's like a low bar to clear, I guess. But like, nah, Paul, Paul's thoughtful. And you know how it is in the media. Like when you're, when you share more of yourself, that kind of exposes you more. It makes you more vulnerable. And that has opened Paul George up to uh, criticisms, a lot of it undue. Uh, People forget that he was a young player leading the Pacers to consecutive finals or conference finals appearances and going up and really challenging that Miami Heat team that wound up winning championships. Like, you know, people think that Paul George is the player who failed in the playoffs in Oklahoma City or failed in the bubble not the player that came back from a broken leg to be even a more skilled version of the player that he was when he came into the league or the player with the Clippers who, yeah, like Teron Lue made him play point guard. But now that he's playing with a legitimate pass first point guard, really two of them in James Harden and Russell Westbrook in the second unit, it allows Paul George to be the most efficient version of himself He's getting more catch shoots. He's playing off the ball more, coming off screens. It's like in the past, we would watch the Clippers and it was guys like Landry Shamit, Luke Kennard, who had to run those options. Well, now you have literally Paul George doing that stuff. And Paul, hey, it turns out he has role player talent just like he has star player talent. He wants to play both ends of the floor. And he's knowledgeable enough of his career and other guys' careers where he understands where he fits best at this stage. He can't handle you know, bringing the ball up on every possession and getting hounded by Drew Holiday's that type. But what he can handle is being a six, eight sniper. And so it makes the game easier. And people just have to understand, like, you know, he's not Kawhi, but he's not that far a step from Kawhi. And in a lot of ways, Paul's Paul's ability to shoot the basketball from so many different angles that's what is defining this Clippers offense even more than what Kawhi is doing. Yeah, and it, it's it, to me, it's you just look at the overall skill set that he brings to the table. You look at the impact, um, and and, and it, I, I want to be clear when I ask you this question that I, I'm not saying that these two sets are identical, but do you see any parallels between the way that Kawhi and Paul George have to work in concert with each other? And Tatum and Jalen Brown for the Celtics having to work because it, it seems they're all the, the two groups are different types of players, but it seems that 
there's there's always questions about whether they can work well together and you know and, and things like that. And yet, when they're healthy, both sets are pretty damn good. Yeah, like those are the players that the league wants to build around, and. I feel like you hear a lot of the chatter because it makes it easier on everybody else if those guys are broken up. And I asked Paul, it's like, you guys haven't had the success. So why are you and Kawhi so like, why do y'all get along so well? You know, it's not like you guys are shooting commercials together or, you know, we're it's, it's something new every week where you guys do something funny or viral. Like when Ron and Wade were playing in Miami together, you guys are on year five. You haven't even gotten, you haven't played in a conference finals together. Paul's played in one and Kawhi was dealing with the ACL tear. Like how does that tandem stay together? And Paul was like, there's no egos. We generally like each other. It helps that they're very good, but they are, have a maturity about them, which allows them to keep the BS to a minimum while they're trying to achieve this pressurized goal. It's the same thing in Boston. Like I remember the first half of Ime Udoka season in Boston and people wanted those guys broken up because they had nothing better to do, I guess, in Boston. But then you saw the vision, like those dudes made the, made the finals. And even before that, and since then, how many conference finals have they played in together as young players, as guys who've never experienced playing for another team, never experienced what it's like to have to, you know, really be a role player. Like, you know, I know Tatum and Brown got to start their careers with guys like Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. But at the same time, those guys were top three picks on teams that were not top three pick quality. You know what I'm saying? Like these yeah. dudes stole picks. <laughs> they, look, and 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 illegal. Now we're not talking about the 80s, like how, you know. The Lakers right. got the number one pick after literally after winning a chip or how, you know, God bless his soul. But, you know, the Celtics number two pick after, you know, they won a chip. Right. Len Bias, like that would have changed everything in Boston if Len was still here. So like people don't people see guys and when they see them fail even a little bit, then, yeah, they want to see if they can break them up. But like, you know, there's a reason the Celtics are at the top of the standings year in and year out with Tatum and Brown on the team. And you haven't seen that with the Clippers because those guys, Kawhi and Paul have been hurt, but now they're not. And you see the level that they're playing at. It's the level they've always played at when they're both on the floor together. Yeah. And one, one guy that, that plays a role in, in Clippers success and, and, and full disclosure, I've known him for a really, really long time. And I've always saw the potential because he's because he's that dude that's you why know what, i know I'm exactly talking, who you talk talking about. about my boy ty lu <laughs> i was not <laughs> i uh, thought you were going to bring up tit i thought you were going to bring up terrence i'm gonna talk about terrence in a minute terrence that's my yeah. guy I, I, that's, I that's my guy been, been, been down with you man even when he was back rocking with the seminoles and they had like athlete after athlete after athlete on that squad but the thing about Ty Lue, I think he's so underrated because everywhere he's been from a head coaching standpoint, uh, and you go back to his days as a player, he understands how to deal with stars in ways that very few people fully understand and appreciate. That's why with him being a Clippers coach, it makes so much perfect sense. And for him to have James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, extremely talented, future Hall of Fame type talent, and being able to orchestrate that—that's that's impressive. What what have you noticed that he's been able to do to keep everybody happy? Because that's a tough thing when you have that that kind of talent. 
making sure everybody's eating good. Because everybody don't got the same appetite. Some people need to, need to eat a little bit more than others. How has he been able to kind of keep everybody essentially happy? I've been around Teron Lou ever since I took the job at The Athletic. Uh, we never met before. Um, and so everything I knew about Teron Lou before that, remember, I'm from Philly. I was in, I was in eighth right. grade when AI stepped over him. Okay. <laughs> and T. Lou That's called me out for that the, the first time we talked. It's like, I know where you're from. I know, you know, and that's the thing with T. Lou. He knows his guys. He knows who he's around, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, whether you're on the traveling party. Like, Teron knows, he, he, he knows who you are. There's a bunch of dudes in the NBA who have he's never coached that he has a great relationship with. And you just are, like, surprised every time someone comes to the club. Like, yeah, I already knew T. Lou. And I think that is the quality in coaches – that's the quality that if if you're covering the NBA, you have to understand what you know is one thing, who you know and how you're able to relate to them consistently is the primary job of a head coach to me in the NBA. It's not college. You know, it's not you're, you're not the authoritarian. It's not your way or the highway, but you do need to tap into that occasionally. But what you really need to do is you need to give access and you need to support your guys on the court as well as in general, it's a long season. That's what's around Lou. That's what makes him special. Um, the fact of the matter is he has an old team, a veteran team, a team with multiple hall of famers, and he's able to reach them effectively, consistently. He's able to put them in position on the floor. So those guys buy in, but he's also able to hold them accountable in ways that you don't always get. We're seeing it. How many coaches have, have, have lost their jobs this week? head coaches in the NBA, right? I stopped counting. Right. And it's like those situations in Milwaukee and Washington on the court, completely different sides of the spectrum. But the core of why both of those guys are not running their teams anymore comes down to accountability. It comes down to the relationships. It comes down to, you know, and one relationship was better than the other. Obviously, Wes Unsell Jr., you know, he's still in the organization because he has the you know, he's got legacy in that that's city. That is literally royalty there. Like, you're not going to just... He pulled the Brad Stevens. He pulled the Brad Stevens on that one. Which, which yeah. Much respect. You know, you know, but, but with Wes, it came down to those dudes didn't play hard and they weren't held accountable and you saw it in their record and you saw it right. in, in, you know, how they were progressing over the course of the season. Adrian Griffin won 30 games, but... Had the best record in the NBA. Right. But, you know, it was clear that he didn't have his locker room. Right. Teron right. Lou, I thought last year was not a good year for Teron, but he's bounced back from that and he's reestablished who he always has been. The guy who he was as an assistant, the guy he was when he first got the head coaching job with the Clippers, the guy he was in Cleveland. And I'm sure the guy that you got to know in Boston, like, and that is a quality where I think it's easy to identify people who know basketball. There's a lot of people who know basketball. There is a significantly smaller percentage of those same people who can reach of a wide variety of the players that you need to succeed as a head coach, as a basketball team. And that's what makes Toronto special. Yeah. I, I, I start just firsthand his ability to not just hold accountable, but just actually to, to challenge the Kevin Garnett's, the Paul Pierce's, the world, guys that you know because of all they've done 
as an assistant coach, you're not just going to roll up on them and just say, which you're not going to speak your piece just to speak your piece. You got to have a certain comfort level with them and establishment with them in order to do that. Uh, you know, to, and he, he definitely has that. And you mentioned my other guy uh, that, that I, I think a lot about when I think about the Clippers, uh, T-Man, Terrence Mann. Um, I, and again, this is just me, but I hate the way things have played out for him because I think he's so much better of a player than the the role that they need him to play. Uh, and I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, you, you've been around him for, for a while now. Uh, how is he handling this role? Because he knows in his heart of hearts that there's more that he can do on the floor than what he's doing now. Uh, but he, I think he's kind of embraced the fact that that's not necessarily what the team needs for me to help the team. I think few players have had to adjust more than Terrence Mann on that on, on the Clippers over the last, I would say not just this year, last year included. I think that Terrence is asked to play every position, but he's also asked to do it in a way that supports everybody else. And that is hard. It's hard enough when you come into the league, how Terrence came into the league. Like he had to do the G League elite camp. Right. He had to be a second round pick. He had to play in the G League. He had to, you know, yeah, you all had to get through the pandemic, but like he wasn't playing for Doc, right? right. Doc would throw him into games at the end of quarters and that's it. Um, he had to go from being a third stringer in Teron Lou's first training camp to literally being the biggest reason why they made that franchise made uh, their first conference finals hitting 37 points. So you're thinking, oh, Terrence is going to be a star now. Like he, just, he scored all these points on national television and, and biggest one in the franchise. And it's like, now you're still in the second unit. You're going to be the point guard. Uh, Russell Westbrook's available. You're back in the second unit and you're off the ball completely. Uh, this year, he won the starting job coming out of camp, sprains his ankle. By the time he gets healthy, it's a completely different team because they made the trade to get James Harden. And also, you're coming off the bench again. Oh, we got to switch things up because we've lost six games in a row. Terrence, you're starting again, mainly because we need you to defend the hardest guy to defend in the other team's starting lineup on the perimeter. And we need you to be off the ball so that James can cook. Because if you start Russell Westbrook, you got us find touches for four guys as part of your primary lineup. That was untenable. Yeah. Terrence has answered the bell and he answered the bell while being hurt. He came back. You know how it is in the NBA, Sherrod. You don't play because, you know, you're a hundred percent. You play because the team and you have decided you're healthy enough to not get hurt more. So there you go. So yeah, Terrence made his debut in November, but he, I don't think he's felt himself until this month in January. And it's reflected in his jump shot. He was arguably the worst catch and shoot three point shooter in the league over the first month or two of the season. But now this month he's shooting that thing. Like he shot at his whole career and that matters because you literally have to deal with James Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and the center who is catching passes from James Harden more than likely on the roll. You're not thinking about Terrence, man. You're trying to cheat off of you're putting your small guard on him or you're putting your, your, you know, I saw what the Celtics did last month. Probably Terrence man's, you know, in the deer period this season was when the Celtics came to LA and they put guys like, you know, Namius Cueto on him just so that they could, pack the paint and just completely shut off driving lanes for the Clippers. Like that's why the Clippers were embarrassed by the Celtics last month. I bet you 
he ain't going to do that this month. <laughs> Not the way Terrence is playing now. I think that all that speaks to the kind of player Terrence is and the kind of worker, the kind of person, the kind of professional Terrence man is. He deserves a lot of credit for getting himself to this point. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I've been a, been a T-Man fan for a long, long, long time. Um, but, you know, looking at the success that the Clippers are having now, it, it's not a one or two or even three person uh, contingent that's leading the way. There's, there's always guys that are contributing, making an impact that we don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to. Who's some of those unsung guys that, you know, are, are – Big part of this this success, but may not necessarily get the attention or credit they deserve. I got to since we haven't mentioned them, I think uh, Norman Powell is he's having a fantastic season. Mm. We're talking about one of the best shooters in the NBA. We're talking about one of the most potent bench scorers in the NBA. And we're talking about a guy who's had to change a lot of what he had to do the last couple of years. I mean, we're talking about a player who has won a championship with Kawhi on that Toronto Raptors team. And Norm was there before Kawhi got there and he, and he was there after, you know, Norm had to go to the bubble as a Raptor. Norm had to go to Tampa as a Raptor because of the coronavirus. Uh, he got paid in Portland and Portland decided that they were going to start him at small forward, even though um, my guy is six, three. They're like, we saw you on TV. We're going to have you play the small port. No, Norm is a guard and not a point guard either. Like Norm, does, that's not nah, everyone knows the best version of Norman Powell. And now Norm understands it because last year, Norm was like, I want to be an all-star too. I want to start. But now Norman is much more in line with his goals and what the team needs. And it's made Norm a guy who is a legitimate six man a year. It's not just that he's scoring and shooting. It's that he is in lineups that are absolutely killing teams, Put Norm in the starting unit with Kawhi Paul and, James Harden and that unit is killing teams. So he's a six man a year candidate. He's a guy who might get an invite to the three point shootout. He is campaigned for it. He wants it. He deserves it. He better be there. And he's played every single game as well. Norm has been nicked up over the last few years, but not this year. He has been rock solid. He's played hurt, but he hasn't missed a single game. I think that he, he he's, he's a guy who, he makes the Clippers who they are. And, and that, that, that is a really, really good team coming into Boston on Saturday. And looking ahead to that game, what, what are your expectations? Because obviously, you know, the Celtics are the best record in the uh, NBA. Clippers playing some of the best basketball in the NBA. What are you expecting to see when these two collide? I'm not expecting a great game, I'll tell you that much. Um, I, I, I wish the schedule... Uh, worked out a little bit better. Um, I know the Celtics are coming off of a blowout win in Miami. Um, don't know if Chris S. Porzingis will be ready because that ankle sprain looked rough. Um, and Porzingis missed the game in uh, December in L.A. as well. I'm sure the Clippers would have appreciated Chris S. being out there because you want to see how good you are against the teams that are playing as well as you are. And uh, it's a missed opportunity for for both teams in that regard. The Clippers have to come from Toronto to go to Boston. That is a tough back-to-back. Um, it's the first game of a seven-game trip um, in Toronto for the Clippers. So the Celtics game, uh, they'll, they'll be acclimated time-wise um, as far as the time zone goes. But 
to have to play Boston the second night of a back to back coming from Toronto, it's a it's a real disservice. So the the scheduling is incredibly unideal. I think that does affect the game. Like I'm not I'm you know, I'm not saying guys will miss the game. You know, this isn't last year where, you know, you had to consider oh, uh, they might sit the first night of a back. No, like that's not happening. Paul is healthy enough to play. Kawhi is healthy enough to play. These guys are playing well, but there's a consideration with the NBA schedule. And and so the logistics is unideal, but as far as the game, they're going to compete and the Clippers, they need to, they owe the Celtics one. They did not show up on that matinee Saturday, right before Christmas. So they, I, however the game Friday night in Toronto goes, there will be a focus especially with Kawhi playing because he didn't play in that Celtics game. There will be a focus there to give the Celtics a a, a serious run. The level of competitiveness will be high. I just don't think the quality of the game will be, you know, I'm not going to look at the game and be like, oh, this is what you'll get in the finals. No, I would hope the finals is a lot better than what you get Saturday night. Yeah, but at this point, we'll take what we can give when it comes to marquee matchups. Chance to see. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden on the floor at the same night. You're going to take that whether it is January or whether we're talking June. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, Absolutely. Before we go, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors, Indeed.com, HelloFresh, and FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Media Network, where new customers can get a $150 bonus bet for any winning $5 money bet. Don't forget to download this episode and all episodes if you want to. Uh, if you want to binge listen uh, to the Big Three NBA podcasts, all your favorite podcast apps. Uh, Law Murray of the Athletic, thank you so much for your time, my friend. This was a great catching up with you. Uh, hope we can do this again in June. Uh, I, I don't mind making that voyage out west if we talk in NBA finals. I, I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Uh, hey, I owe a trip to Boston. Um, I miss I miss all my people up there. I miss seeing you, man. So uh, I'm, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is H.R. Blake with Law Murray. This is the Big 3 NBA Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful day, folks.